Hey everyone, welcome back to the Greater Than Podcast. Listen, we're still going back in time with uh, Spirit Wind Hollister. We got one more after this message, and I'm excited about the last message too. That's the thing. Every uh, session was so powerful, uh, so much revelation. But anyway, this episode is entitled Judgment Under Victory. The Lord really gave us something good. I cut out some parts because there was a whole nother message that I shared, but you will hear the whole message of Judgment Under Victory. Listen, we're jumping right into this thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to get off of here, but the next thing you're going to hear is me clearing my throat. And when I clear my throat, it's on like Donkey Kong. I love each and every one of you. Don't ever forget this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. <clears throat> he said, we'll all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Let's keep going here. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we, what are we going for? An imperishable crown. Okay, let's keep going here. Therefore I run, thus not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. <laughs> uh, I bring this verse up because there's been a lot of beating the air going on. Well, you know, the real problem is, is, is the president. Well, you know, the real thing that needs to change is, is Gen Z. That's what this, this, this new generation, man, they're, they're messed up. Man, back in my day, you know, what really is the problem is, is all these folks prophesying about who's going to be president. And I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you what really, what really ticks me off, right? <laughs> what really ticks me off is these dispensationalists or, or these persons here. There's, what is going on? There's a lot of beating the air going on. Uh, put the next verse up, Ben. This is what Paul, uh, Paul reveals to us in Ephesians. Uh, this is what he said. Uh, I'm just going to quote the Apostle Paul here in Ephesians chapter uh, 6. He says along about in verse 10, he talks about being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He says in the next verse, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's been a lot of beating of the air going on. You know, this person's our problem. That person's my problem. I tell you what, man. If I see another picture of Jesus with an AK-47. <laughs> and if I... And, 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 uh, uh, John Wayne is not in Hebrews 11. <laughs> uh, you got to watch about flesh and blood. The enemy wants to make it about you focusing on a person. You saying they're my enemy. And you're trying to fight under the law. I'm just going to let that sit. Let it marinate. That's under the law. You're beating the air. When God's giving you the tools to deal with the, the spirit behind everything. 
the spirits behind things. So why on earth would I, I'm not talking about not defending your home, defending your family, I'm not talking about that. No, it's not what I'm talking about. Because see, what did, I think Chris said this, how does, how, did, how does Jesus deal with this thing in the great battle? It's with his mouth, with the sword that's in his mouth. And that's what the enemy is trying to use us to, well, it's them, and that sword goes out, and you piss yourself through with many sorrows. Instead of dealing with the forces behind things, dealing with the principalities and powers, these different ranks of the enemy, and dealing with the root issue. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop beating the air. The enemies deceived believers into beating the air for, for, for centuries. This has been going on for a while. You know, one of the number one ways that Christians uh, beat the air, I'm going to tell you one of the number one ways. You ready? Number One of the number one ways that Christians beat the air is judging. Is by judging people. That's one of the number one ways that they beat the air is judging. We're going to talk about judging tonight. Tonight. Uh, judging disqualifies, uh, but mercy hides. I'm going to say that again. Mercy, uh, just judging disqualifies, but mercy hides you. It hides you in that secret place. It hides you under his canopy. Let me say it like this. The enemy can't get to you. But when I judge, right, I disqualify myself from that mercy. Judge not, you're in Matthew 7, verse 1, it says, judge not that you be not judged. Don't, I mean, I, listen, I know where most of y'all go to church. I know you heard this before, but, there's, there's, but the Spirit of God has us here for a reason. I want us to get it. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment <clears throat> you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And in the Passion Translation, it says in verse 3 and 5, why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots. He says in the Passion Translation, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. Uh, somebody say, deal with your own. Deal with he says, deal with your own blind spots. Uh, in order to judge, you have to be hypocritical. In order to judge, you have to be hypocritical. You, you just got to be. Jesus didn't say don't ever judge, though. Because there are times where you are supposed to judge. The Greek has, brings out this con connotation. Don't always be judging. Don't always be judging. Have you ever met someone that just seems like they're always judging? Yeah, Judy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, have, you, have, have you ever met anybody? And listen, if you, if you didn't laugh and you didn't smile, it's probably you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm having too much fun now. But here's why I'm saying that, because we've all done it. And not, not a single one of us in this room is 
is innocent in this area. Uh, even though you go to church faithfully. I mean, th- there is, we have flesh, is what I'm saying. But the Spirit of God is calling us to the next level. To judge here literally means to bring to trial uh, the, the trying of the fact uh, in a court of law. It means to separate, like separating grain from the chaff. But it means to, di- to distinguish. It means to pick out. Here's one that's really good. To be of opinion. To judge. To be of opinion. Well, you know, that's, this is my opinion. Or, well, you know, I'm entitled to your opinion. Don't let what you're entitled to stop you from doing what you've been commanded to. Don't let what you quote unquote feel you're entitled to stop you from doing what you've been commanded to. And that's to love. My Tic Tac said amen in my pocket right then. This is a strong statement, but I believe it with all my heart. Judging is the chief hindrance of holiness. Judging is the chief hindrance of holiness. What, what is the world known for? Judging. There are shows dedicated to judging. You sing in front of me and I'll judge you. You got a, a settlement you want to make? We talked to Judge Judy came up right then. I'll judge you. Judging is, is the number one thing in the world is judging. Cancel culture. Judging. It's the number one thing. It's the number one thing in the world. You want to be se- you want to really be separate from the world? Get rid of judging. Stop the judging. If you really want to be separate from the world. And some insist on their right to judge others and they defend it on the basis of what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 16, you'll know them by their fruits, right? So they'll, does it see there, Elijah? Well, let me say this, discerning and judging are two different things. Discerning and judging are two. Discerning without the fruit of the spirit called self-control is judging. Discerning without the fruit of the spirit called self-control is judging. I know I, I never heard that before. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Second Timothy. I got to give you some verses, man. I got a bunch of them anyway. I got them, I got them in the tuck. Oh, Lord. I like it, Danny. I, I'm enjoying myself. I got kicked in the britches with, with this word, and I like getting kicked again, man. I, I, I'll take my beat, and I'll take my correction. Yeah. Second Timothy 2, starting in verse 24. And he says, the servant of the Lord must not what? Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but be gentle to, to some people. To all. to all, he says, able to teach. So you're not compromising. You're able to teach, but you're also patient. You see how the, see, God doesn't give you one attribute without giving you another attribute to keep you in love. Now, I never said that before. That just came right out of this. Thank you, Lord. I'm serious. I never, wow. Okay, thank you, Lord. Let's keep going. Verse 25. In humility. Oh, there it is. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. 
if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Keep on going here. He says that they may come to them their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There's a lot of people. There's been a few ministers here lately that have fallen in areas, whether it was uh, affairs, doing something that was scandalous, things of that nature. And there'll be more of it that we'll see. That's not that's not going to stop. Uh, but here's what we do. We don't judge. We don't. We don't judge. Because you then when you judge, well, what a, you're, you're disqualifying yourself. That's what Paul said. I'm running and I don't want to be disqualified. Judging disqualifies you from mercy. But but you showing mercy hides you in the father's mercy because there's an enemy out there that's looking to devour. Uh, I'm going to reference this, but you go to Job. There's some things I want to talk about in Job. I'm going to reference this, though. In Luke nine, the uh, apostles come to Jesus. And they they, they were going to uh, Samaria. And they weren't going to receive Jesus. And then John and James, you know, the sons of thunder, they come up to Jesus. All right, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? Go Goku on them. We're going to burn them up here. You, 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 want, you want us to? You want to go Super Saiyan? What do you want us to do here? And then Jesus, Jesus said to them, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. But they were quoting scripture. Did you know you can quote scripture in the wrong spirit? Well, I mean, obviously, we see that with Satan when he tempted Jesus. He came with scripture. I'm just getting all into it now. We're just here now. We're chilling. I'm enjoying it. I like the view. <laughs> uh, help me to say this right, Lord. Um, he, they came with a verse. They came with, you know, the prophet Elijah. He called down fire. In other words, they pulled like what we used to do in youth, Danny, with Miss Phyllis. She said, give me a verse. So they did that. They, they said, listen, we, we, we got our concordance out. We, we looked up fire. We searched it up. And then here's right, here it is, right here. It's calling down for fire, but it was in the wrong spirit. Who was the one that wrote by the Spirit of God and the utterance of the Spirit? Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they be of God. Do you remember who said that? Who wrote that? Pop quiz. Doom, 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 doom. Who? Who said? Yes, ma'am. It was John. When did John learn it? Right there. You know not what manner of spirit you're of. So John kept that in his back pocket. And he said, you know what, guys? Let me tell you as an elder, don't believe every spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but try that spirit to make sure it's of God or not. As you see things that go down that you know are wrong, it was wrong to not accept Jesus. We can all agree on that. As you see things that people do that are wrong in this season, make sure you speak about it in the right spirit. Job chapter 1, starting in verse 7. Job chapter 1, verse 7. And the Lord said to Satan, where'd you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro. Well, we hear that Peter says that as well. And from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. 
blameless, upright man. He fears God, shuns evil. Satan answered the Lord and said, uh, does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a, a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? You bless the works of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said, behold, all he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord. Uh, some people preach that verse and they say, you know, it was like God and Satan had a bet. They struck up a bet and say, you know what? I bet you Job, you know, it's like God said, hey, <clears throat> you don't have anybody to mess with? The uh, Job's over there. You want to hit him up real quick and give him, give him a little smack? That's what some people, that's how some people teach that. But in the, another translation, if you study this out, the Lord said to him, this is the Aramaic Bible in plain English. The Lord Jehovah said to Satan, behold, you have set your heart. So uh, God is exposing Satan. He says, I know what you're up to. You're going after Job. That's, what, that's, that's the, the connotation. That's the words here. I know what you're doing. You're not, you're not sly. Yeah, he's going to come in prancing into the throne room like, you know, man, I've just been going to and fro. You know what I'm saying? I've just been out. Just been out on the block. You know what I'm saying? I've just been out on the block. And God's like, Psh, man, get that out of here. You, you got your heart on Job. That's what, that's what he's doing. He's calling it out. But here's a question that the Lord asked me. and I never thought of it. He said, Elijah, why did Satan set his heart on Job? Why Job? Because in the story of Job, we know that there's about, what, three friends that come, right? They're all prominent men. They have a position and they have some wealth. So why did Satan go after Job and not the other guys? Go to Job 42. Job chapter 42, verse 7 here. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job uh, that the Lord said, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. And then he tells him to offer a sacrifice. And then he tells him to have my servant Job pray for you. I'll accept him. He says, I will accept them. If you go back to the previous verse, uh, Ben, if you would, sir. He says, I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly. According to your folly, in the Hebrew, literally, it says this way, unless I deal out to you disgrace, I expose you or I punish you. That's what, that's what God was going to have to do with Job's friends. Job's friends came to comfort him, but they stayed to judge Job. Y'all remember that? They were saying, Job, you did something. You missed it some way. You missed it somehow. What did they do? They came to be a support, but they stayed to judge. And they were going to be judged. And God said, I, I need you to pray for them so that I don't deal with them according to their folly. Why did Satan go after Job? Because he was the most influential one. Why does Satan go after these pastors and these preachers? Because they have influence. And when he can make them fall and the three friends come, stay, come to comfort, but they stay to judge, the cycle continues. This was an elaborate plan, not just to take out Job, but to take out four righteous, 
wealthy men by judging. And I've never seen that before until the Lord said it to me. They were judging. They judged Job. They said, you missed it here, bud. You messed it up somehow. And Job, he wanted to, uh, to keep his own righteousness, but they were judging him. Can you see that? And the Lord said, I need you to pray for your friends. I always wonder, why did Job have to pray for his friends? They, I mean, they were there. They were buddies with him. They judged. You see what the enemy does? He, he, he wants someone to fall that has a, a, a standing, that has influence. And then when that person falls and, so, and other people see it, I knew there wasn't nothing to that man. I knew there wasn't nothing to that ministry. Spitting on him. I knew there wasn't nothing to that. And, it, and it's a cycle that goes. Judge not so that you be not judged. And somebody judges, somebody falls. And then that person judges. And then like Miss Phyllis, my, like a spiritual mother says, then one day that it comes due that get on that calendar. Put it on the calendar. And then they fall. And then somebody else sees it. And then they judge. Put it on the calendar. Then they fall. Then somebody else does it. It's this cycle that we must break. We got to stop the judging. First, uh, First Timothy one. Well, no, for time's sake, Second Timothy two. We'll just we'll skip that. For time's sake, we'll go to Second Timothy two. We'll go back there, uh, in verse uh, sixteen through twenty six. Second Timothy two sixteen through twenty six. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they increase to more ungodliness. Judging is the chief hindrance to holiness. It it, it abounds to ungodliness, to more ungodliness. Let's keep going. Their message will spread like a cancer, like Himaeus and uh, Philetus, I believe that is. I may be butchering it. Excuse me there, guys are of this sort. Now, this is the message that they were preaching. Let's keep going. Who's uh, strayed concerning the truth. They're saying that the resurrection is already passed. And they overthrow the faith of some. Okay, let's pause here for a second. Why did they preach that the resurrection had already passed? Does anybody, any, any guess why they preached that it already happened? Now, we're, we're talking about judging, but now this is a side point. All right, so it has nothing to do with judging per se. The reason they were saying that a resurrection has already passed, if you read in Matthew, when Jesus died, the Bible says that when he was resurrected, that there were others that were resurrected with him. The graves of many of the saints were open and they were walking around. They saw that, they knew that in history, and they said, well, the resurrection must have already passed. And that's what they were spreading. And it was spreading like a cancer. And they overthrew the faith of some. Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let's keep going here. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, someone say cleanses himself. himself. From the latter, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. 
Let's keep going. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. May I tell you what, I'll take care of judging that list right there. Righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the name, who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let's keep going. But avoid foolish and ignorant what? Ooh, knowing that they generate, they do what? Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Let's keep going. There's so much here. And the servant of the Lord, we, does it sound familiar? We already read this, but we're reading it again. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Let's keep going here. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Let's keep going. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, who, what's the context? That's why I went back. What's the context? He's talking about Himaeus and Philetus. Well, they're preaching something that's wrong. That's error. It's causing people to stray from the faith. It's spreading like a cancer. It's Paul rooting for them to be destroyed. Let's put that last verse back up, Ben. That last verse we read there. It, let's, see. It, it's, let's see if Paul is rooting for them to be destroyed. Back up one verse. And humility, correcting those who are in opposition. That's, that's Emmaus and Philetus. If God perhaps will grant them, we always root for repentance. We don't root for destruction. And I, I don't think I've ever seen that before either, that this whole thing is about Emmaus and Philetus who, who have done these things, preaching things that are wrong, cancer, spreading. He said, correct those who are in opposition. And the King James says, correct those who are imposing themselves. In other words, you don't have to oppose them. They're opposing themselves. What we're called to do is root and pray for their repentance to the knowledge of the truth that they get themselves out of the snare of the devil. The Passion Translation says that they come to themselves. Going back to the the, the, the boy, who the prodigal son who was at the pig pen, and he came to himself. Yeah. Repentance. We want them to come to themselves. Let me say this, too, while I'm at it. I mean, what we've already. Yeah. <laughs> stop sending people to hell. <laughs> a, 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 movie, a, movie, a movie star will die or somebody who maybe is not, you know, not a professed believer or whatever and automatically they went to hell how do you know if the if you're playing a basketball game and there's a seconds left on the clock you're down by two you get in the corner you shoot a three and it swishes before the buzzer sounds did you win the game before the buzzer sounds you let release the shot it goes in you're down by two you're shooting a three in the corner before time's off the clock you shoot, it goes in, and did you win? Because you shot before the buzzer. How do you know that they didn't make the shot before the buzzer? You don't know. God's merciful. He tries and tests the heart. Stop sending people to hell. You don't know. You're not the judge. I'm rooting for repentance. I'm rooting for people to recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy. 
Because this year we need them. Those who have fallen, those who had prominent positions that have fallen by adultery, fallen by committing sins, doing things that are horrible, they're not right. They're opposing themselves, but I'm rooting for God to give them the, the gift of repentance. Repentance is a grace gift. I'm rooting for them to get that gift of repentance to come to themselves. I want to I want to invite a guest speaker to come tonight via video, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagen. There's a, a clip from Brother Hagen that I want us to hear. And uh, you can move my jacket, Danny. I'm going to sit down. And um, yeah, we're, we'll just be encouraged by it. But so far, so good. Does it make sense? Are you tracking with us? Uh, let's have Brother Hagen share a little something with us and I'll come back. I'll give you three quick points and we'll. In our church, they was one of our ministers, quite a large church. His wife ran off with another man. Didn't marry him, just lived with him for a while. Finally married somebody else. She didn't want to come back. He is left with five children. And so as a pastor, and with five children, he remarried. The children needed a mother. Well, everybody criticized him. He had to surrender his credentials with that full gospel group because they didn't license anybody, you know, supposed to just have one wife. Well, he doesn't have but one. You see how stupid you can be, you know. And uh, so, in this convention, the uh, superintendent of the district was preaching. And in his sermon, he, did, <coughs> he didn't call any names, but you knew who he was talking about. We preachers did at least. He was talking about him, terrible thing, just wrote him off, preached him right into hell, fire and brimstone. Well, he was preaching on the morning service. My folks had to work, you know, in the daytime. They didn't hear that. They came to the night service. But some of my people asked me, did brother so-and-so say so-and-so? And was he talking about uh, this man? Yeah, I said he did. Well, what did he say? And so I let him know that I concurred with his statement and repeated it. The convention's over. Ken was four years old, and Pat, uh, 19 months behind him. My dad-in-law and mother-in-law <laughs> came <coughs> down the following Sunday, was with us in the services. After the Sunday night service, my wife and Ken and Pat, just little folks, you know, went home with them back up in the country on the farm. I'm going to stay, and I couldn't leave right now, preach Wednesday night. After Wednesday night service, I'm going to drive up there and stay Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're all going to come back, you see, home. Well, I'm there by myself a couple of nights. So Monday night, you know, i uh, getting ready for bed. And our parsonage was an old building, see? We, we were talking back there in 1943. It was built back there in Depression days. In some areas, they didn't even have electricity. Hadn't been wired for electricity. Then more recent time, wired for electricity. There's no switches. There's just a light hangs down the middle of the room. You pull a string. You know what I'm talking about? So I reached up in this little old bedroom, about 12, about 14 maybe, pulled the string, knelt down by the bed to pray. 
started to pray. And the whole room lit up. I mean, brighter than it was when the light was on. I could see every piece, just brighter than the sun glistening on snow. And I heard a voice say, Who art thou that criticizes another man's servant? Well, I said, Lord, I, I knew that was the Lord. I said, Lord, I didn't criticize your servant. He didn't answer me. He just said, Who art thou that criticizes another man's servant? Lord, I said, I, I didn't criticize your servant. He said, didn't you say so-and-so about brother? He called him brother. We wouldn't even do that now. Called him brother. Brother so-and-so? Yeah, I said, but uh, I, 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 uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was just quoting the district superintendent. Yeah, but he said when you repeated it, that was tantamount to you saying it. art thou that judges another man's servant? Is he your servant or my servant? Well, I said, Lord, if he's anybody's servant, he's yours. He's sure not mine. <laughs> well, who art thou that judges another man's servant? And if he's my servant, I'm able to make him stand. And I think the evidence of the years proved that God made him stand, and I kept my mouth shut from that time to this. <laughs> Judge not that you be not judged. That gift of finding fault is not spiritual or supernatural. That's natural. You don't know all the story anyway. That's the reason you can't judge. You don't know what happened. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> In fact, one purpose of being baptized or filled with the Holy Ghost is to destroy this gift of criticism. The fire of Jesus will baptize the Holy Ghost in fire, and the fire will burn up the chaff. And they'll replace it with the sweet, gentle spirit of forbearance. It is not discerning of character. It is not discerning of faults. But it is discerning of spirits. It is not a spirit gift to uncover human failings. But it's a good deal of Christian love to cover them. Three points really quick. Galatians 6. Well, you can say Brother Hagin spoke to you tonight. Isn't that so? Well, maybe not. Either. You may want to preface it. Somebody may think you're real crazy then. <laughs> uh, Galatians 6, verse 1. Is, did I turn my mic back on? Is it on? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Did you notice what Brother Hagin said, though? He said, the Lord, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I didn't say it. I was just saying what this other guy said. But the Lord said, that's just like you saying it yourself. Right. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, tweet about such a one. Oh. Well, let's try that again. Brethren, if, if a man is overtaken in any trespass you who are spiritual write a long facebook post about them that's not okay brother if anyone is overtaken any trespass you who are spiritual uh, tell tag them on instagram call them out in front of everybody no he said you who are spiritual do what restore, restore such a one do it at what in a spirit of gentleness 
considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Uh, Restore here literally means uh, it's a practice. Well, the word restore has to do with setting a broken bone. Setting a broken bone. Well, we are the body of Christ, are we not? To set a broken bone. You who are spiritual set the the broken bone. If a fellow falls down and breaks his leg, what are you going to do? Are you going to walk off and leave him in pain? Is that what you're just going to walk off and leave the, the person in pain? God says if you're a spiritual, you'll set the broken bone. You'll find a way to set the broken bone. Get him back on his feet again. But he says for us to consider ourselves. I love it. Let me, it brethren, if any man is overtaken in any, in any trespass, man, you who are spiritual, have a long YouTube video about him. I'm so-and-so exposed. That's not what he said. If you're spiritual, you'll restore that person. And it says to keep watch over your own heart. So let's consider ourselves. That's point number one uh, to help us. That'll keep us from judging. If we consider ourselves, that literally means take aim at aim at yourself. Uh, Jesus said, take heed that the light that you walk in is not actually darkness. So you can think you're walking in light, but actually you're the one who's been walking in darkness. I'm the one that's been walking in darkness if if I don't watch it, if we don't watch it. Point number one, consider yourself. Point number two, judge yourself. Easy one. First Corinthians 1131. He's talking about taking uh, communion and he said, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Judge yourself. There's so many verses that says, watch yourself, consider yourself, judge yourself. You know, that's a full time job. (laughs) (laughs) If we were simply obedient and judged ourselves, we wouldn't have any time to judge anyone else. Number one, consider yourself. Number two, judge yourself. Number three, keep yourself. First John 5, 18 says this. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin because uh, he's born of God. Duh. <laughs> and God keeps him. And the wicked one touches him not. When it says keeps himself, it literally means spiritually guard to keep intact. Uh, Proverbs 4, uh, 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. You and I are supposed to keep ourselves, keep our hearts, keep it pure before God. We're not judging anybody. We're not calling it. We're not calling anybody out, but also we're not compromising. He said, be ready to teach, but do it in patience. He said, correct those who oppose themselves. But our heart is for them to come to themselves. To repent, to get it right. Just like what happened with, with your, your friend you were talking about last night. Repentance. All right, we're we're about as we begin to wrap it up. Matthew twelve, and I'm gonna give you the title of my message here soon. (laughs) I'll give you the title of the message at the end. Matthew twelve, eighteen through twenty one. He's talking about Jesus here. Behold, my servant who I have chosen, uh, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will pour my spirit upon him 
and he'll declare justice. Say justice. justice. To the Gentiles, he says. Let's keep going. Uh, he will not what? That sounds familiar. That reminds me of Second Timothy. The servant of the Lord will not quarrel. He will not quarrel nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the street. When he says he will not quarrel, it means to contend, to confront or engage. Watch this now in heated debates that result in discord. Find me one verse in, in Jesus' life and ministry where he debated with the Pharisees back and forth. No, he always had a question diffused the whole thing. Who's, whose baptism was that of John? Was that of God or was it a man? Diffused the whole thing. Uh, give me a coin here real quick. Well, whose signet is, is on this? You give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what's God. Then he flipped the coin and the guy catches it. And the disciples are like, oh, snap. <laughs> what is it? It's always, he, what's he doing? He's correcting, but he's doing it in a spirit of meekness. And he's not bringing about debates and strife, even with those who are his enemy. Now, he called them out. Obviously, he called them hypocrites. He called them brood of vipers. He, he did say he said some things now. But everything did just 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 whole situation. Boom. Over. Let's move on. He won't quarrel, won't cry out. Let's keep going. Oh, this is beautiful right here. Read this with me and we'll count it together on the count of three. One, two, three. A bruised reed he will not break. And smoking flax, he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. The title of the message tonight is Judgment Unto Victory. Judgment Unto Victory. That's how it says it in the old King James. He says, A bruised reed he won't break. The bruised reed is the type of one broken by the weight of sorrow, care, or sin. And he said he won't break it. This sounds like Galatians 6.1. You who are spiritual, restore, set the broken bone back into place. When he says judgment unto victory, he says, until he shall until he has brought forth the judgment of those broken reeves and the smoking flats unto victory, unto such souls be made perfect in faith and holiness and shall have victory over unbelief and other corruptions. Or until he brings forth condemnation unto victory, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm rooting for judgment unto victory. I'm not rooting for judgment for someone to be taken from their place and never. I mean, I hear about people that fall and I'm rooting for them to come back, that they, they set their, they set themselves apart. They go through deliverance. They go through whatever the process they need to go and stepping things out. But the gifts and callings are still without repentance. I want to see more people come back yeah, come on. after they've gone away. Yeah. That's what I want to see more of. 
I'm not so much interested in somebody else leaving. Well, you know, that's what, what's going on, Elijah. Is they're leaving so that somebody else can rise to a place of preeminence. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't say that there's a lot of laborers out there. He said the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We need everybody in their place. There are broken bones that need to be set back into their place. There's a harvest out there. If I can bring it back to Harrison, there's more land that needs to be possessed. But in order for us to do this and to take this land, we've got to have the, the body set. We've got to have that there's no schisms. Second Corinthians 2. I've got two more verses and I'm done. Second Corinthians 2. Uh, let me set up the story here. Paul is uh, talking again about when he had a correction that happened because there was a man who was uh, with his father's wife in the church. The church was, was boasting and proud because they were enlightened on grace. They said, man, we got a revelation of grace, man. You're good, man. Go ahead and do it, man. Go ahead and take care of it. But <laughs> Paul said that I want you to turn this person over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, not his flesh. Some people quote that, the destruction of his flesh. That's not what he said, for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit can be saved. The destruction of the flesh has to do to the destruction of the tendencies that causes him to sin. I want that to be destroyed. So we're going to turn him over to Satan for a little bit so that the flesh, not his flesh, he's not rooting for him to die. He's not rooting for him to be taken out of the way. We don't root for that. Beware of prophets, and that's all they prophesy, is gloom, doom, and despair for someone. Is that the spirit of faith? What did Zach say last night? Is that edification, exhortation, and comfort? No. <laughs> Let's see uh, how this story concludes here. They, they, they've been obedient. 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 6 through 7. He says, uh, this punishment. Someone say this punishment. this punishment. So that means this person was judged. If you look it up uh, in 1 Corinthians 5, I believe it is, Paul says, I've already judged. He uses the word judged. Remember, I told you earlier, there are times where you're supposed to judge. Paul says, I have judged. He says, this punishment which was inflicted uh, by the majority is sufficient for such a man. Let's keep going here. Uh, so that on the contrary, you ought to forgive and comfort him. Someone say forgive and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. That word swallowed up is the same word Peter uses when he says, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, swallow up. Same word. He's saying, get him so he doesn't get swallowed up. But look at what happens in verse 14, though, if you skip on down to verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us, what does he do? Through us, he does what? Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Ladies and gentlemen, this judgment that was pronounced to this man was unto victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. It's the same place where this, that verse comes up is in connection with this correction that took place. I want judgment under victory. I want to see the man come up. I want to see the woman come over. I want to see him get to a place where they're back and they're restored and the, the broken bone is set back into place. Yeah. Well, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be a 
development that needs to take place, I'm sure there'll be correction. They'll have to walk some things out. You may not hear from them for a while, but I want to hear from them again once they come through the process or the, the appropriate process because we need the body to be fitly joined together. We need unity. And uh, be watchful about ministry gifts that are causing disunity. Because that's not, that's not what he's saying in Ephesians. This is supposed to be helping us to get unified. The, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, supposed to help us to come to the unity of faith. But there's been so much discord, debates that have been sown. Uh, this last verse, James 2, 13, last verse. He says, for judgment, you can come up, Micah, and and Ben, if you want. For judgment is without mercy to the one that's shown no mercy. Well, watch what he says. Watch this. Mercy does what? Triumphs over judgment. That's judgment unto victory. Can you see it? That's judgment unto victory. Let's stand to our feet. Uh, I pray that you got something good from the Spirit of God. Um, I want to see people restored. I want to see them back in their place. I'm not rooting for them to be out. I'm not rooting for them to be out of fellowship. I want them to come on back in. I want them to come on back up. I'm telling you, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody died. And then people saying, well, they went to hell. I don't know. I don't know what happened in the last seconds of the game. They could have had that last second shot, hit it right at the buzzer. And you know, in a game like that, they rejoiced more when the last, oh, come on now, when, they, when the shot is at the last second than they do if they won the game by 30. There's more joy over one sinner that repents than a bunch of righteous people. Pray this prayer with me. Uh, Close your eyes. Bow your head. Close your eyes. If you mean it from your heart, say, Lord, forgive me for any time I've judged another man's servant. That's not love. That's not you. I ask you to help me to be spiritual, to contend for my brothers and sisters' restoration, not condemnation. I will not compromise. I will show mercy. And by your grace, I will not be disqualified. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.